Welcome to the Good Mums Say Bad Words potty. Hi, I'm Lisa. Some people call me sarcastic, some even an asshole. but really, I just say the shit everyone else is thinking. And I'm Karaya, just a wife who has to put up with this shit. Hi guys, I'm writing solo for now. I think my wife Lisa will join in a second, but I do have another special guest. Lena Moxon, hello, how are you? I am great. Thank you so much for offering me the opportunity to come on for a chat. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I love, um, we should probably tell people how we met, um, which is funny because obviously I used to work at the museum down here and I saw you a couple of times with your little one. And then at the gym, you obviously came up to me once and was like, hey, I know you. Where are you from? You're like, I just put it together. And then we are always catch up every week in the gym, which was nice. And then I dragged you on here to tell me about everything to do with parenting and birth and kids and weddings and maybe work and life as well because I know you guys do a very good balancing act of all of that too. Well, it, it is a circus. It definitely is a circus and we have a lot going on. So, yeah, let's do it. Let's crack on. Amazing. We've got some questions. So put like to put everyone on the spot. Um, can you describe your pregnancy in three words? Fucked, unpredictable, yeah. traumatic. Yeah. Great. I, 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 we, we touched on this when we caught up in the gym, but can you share, you, you, I think you told me you had a pretty average or traumatic pregnancy. Can you share more? Yeah, I did. The story of my pregnancy is one I haven't told a lot. Um, my son is three and a half now, and I think it's taken me up until this point even to comfortably be able to talk about it without getting really emotional about it. I may get emotional now. Who knows? We'll see. (laughs) So I had really known that um, being a mum and having a child was something that I wanted since I was a little girl, right? So I always knew that mamahood was going to be for me. Um, But the journey to become a mum took a lot longer than I had anticipated. In my first marriage, there just wasn't space for that. We got distracted by all the fancy things that we could, you know, kind of work for and have and time just rolled on and there wasn't space in our life for that. And when I realized that, I got really resentful about the choices that I had made for myself and, you know, that that's a whole story in itself. Um, and so once I vacated that relationship, i.e. burnt the shit to the ground and rose from the ashes of that, six months later, uh, I actually found myself pregnant. So my relationship with my husband, Steve, was like a whirlwind. Steve and I had known each other for 10 years. And um, so I kind of, sounds terrible when I put it that way, but I did dive out of my marriage and into a relationship with Steve. I actually didn't do it like that, but that's, you know, that's the timeline. Um, That's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. And so, I mean, this is relevant as I tell the story of my pregnancy because I was in a new relationship um, and we fell pregnant quite quickly. It was something that we both wanted. Steve, my current husband, already had a child and he knew that he wanted more children in his life. I wanted a child. It was kind of like perfect. We were on the same page. Let's make this happen. Um, And so I fell pregnant really easily. Uh, And then throughout that pregnancy, there was just a lot going on, a lot going on. I had transitioned from one life and into Uh, the next and you know anybody that has been pregnant knows that that's just a whole thing that you can't even anticipate right and as you're watching your body change and and you're changing and you're trying to kind of just work out what the hell is going on I guess I had that layered on top of rebuilding a new life in a new place so when I partnered Steve I moved from Sydney to Geelong so 
everything was new. I didn't know myself. I didn't know my life. I didn't know my way around. And suddenly I'm trying to work all of this out for myself and I'm carrying a baby at the same time. So early on in that pregnancy, I just felt off. But because it was my first pregnancy, I don't know, you have nothing to compare it to. Um, And the whole time I just had this like impending sense of doom. I never felt really excited within that pregnancy. I always just felt like something was off. And long story short, by the time I got to 28 weeks, I just knew I just, it couldn't be right how low my energy was. And just intuitively, I just knew something was off. And I took myself to hospital for no real reason. And I sat myself on the bed and I just said to the midwife, like, something's wrong. I'm not something. You know your body. You spoke about this with one of my friends, Tegan. It's like, even if you're pregnant for the first time, you fucking know. Like, you, especially someone who's as fit as you and obviously understands their body quite well, you know in yourself that, that instinct. Yeah, and I just couldn't shake it. Like I actually couldn't shake it. Um, and so I sat there on the bed and they kind of reassured me that everything was okay and I had kind of said I just don't feel like my belly's very big, I don't feel like I'm growing very much and I'm quite a small person, small structure, and they kind of said to me, no, no, you're right, you know, you're only tiny, you're a healthy person. And I kind of pushed and so they sent me off for an an ultrasound to do like a growth scan just I think to reassure me because I kind of just wouldn't leave the hospital. (laughs) Um, And they sent me off for that scan and at 28 weeks um, my son Tyson was diagnosed with what's called IUGR, which is in utero growth restriction, um, which basically means like my placenta wasn't functioning properly and so he just was not growing. Um, Have you heard of that before, Lise? Welcome back. Oh, hi, guys. <laughs> hi, guys. I've never heard of that. That sounds yeah. really scary, though. I-U-G-R. Yeah, so basically all I knew from from then on, I had to have um, weekly growth scans. Um, he had to be monitored, monitored on Dopplers every week just to see that he was still alive, essentially. Mm-hmm. And all I knew from 28 weeks on was that he did have all his organs. Ultrasounds showed that. But because my placenta wasn't functioning properly, um, in terms of blood flow, we didn't know what his health was going to be like. So the pregnancy basically is like it, it's it's an unhealthy pregnancy and you're riding out the duration of uh, your pregnancy. Basically, they're monitoring whether it would be safer for him to be born prematurely or whether you can keep him within you. Yeah. And so it, it was fucked. And one of the main triggers for, uh, you know, early arrival of your baby is um, decreased fetal movement. So it was basically up to me every day to feel like, fuck, have I felt him move this hour? It was just. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's yeah. So I remember told to um, uh, drink Coke and I fucking hate Coke. Like, <laughs> not even, like not diet, not zero, not any no, type no. of Coke. I don't really like soft drink, to be honest. But um, they were like, oh, just have a glass of Coke. And I was like, eh, go What, and it makes the baby move around or something? Yeah, well, no shit because it's <laughs> cocaine in a yeah. can. And it was like literally, you know, do that. And I was like, nah, I'm going to do everything but that. And I would like eat ice or – and I didn't have any issues um, with movement but paranoia, like yeah. absolute, you know, if you if – you, you didn't have that movement going on in your brain. You're like, oh. Yeah. Like it's a gut feeling. It's something that's. And the hardest part for me, so I was telling the story before that I had exited one marriage, fell pregnant quite quickly, was that there was just this sense in me. I thought, yeah, is this karma coming to get me now? Because I thought I could just make a decision for myself and I could have what I wanted. And there was just this 
incredible sense of guilt that yeah. Yeah. My, my unborn child was going to bear the consequences of all the things that I had fucked up in my life no, for myself. Or you reframe that and say, wow, I've started this beautiful new chapter and, yeah, it's it's going to be hard to get over that but look at this beautiful thing that's come into a relationship that's that works. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was a lot of like sitting in hospital waiting for monitoring, which anybody that has been through the public system knows that we are so blessed and fortunate to have such good care, but sometimes you have to wait eight, nine hours. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon? Yeah, in Geelong. I was at Geelong Hospital. Geelong Hospital. Um, And they were fantastic. Um, I got sent to Melbourne um, once a week as well at the women's um, and I got to see the top specialists and, like, I have nothing but praise for the care that I got in the public system. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how I kind of, you know, my initiation into motherhood felt like I was like lit on fire and was running around screaming. But you know, on yeah. a side note to Geelong, and I hope someone of power hears this, they need a children's hospital here oh God, to yeah. take the pressure mm. off. I had um, an experience earlier this year in the Geelong hospital, and I'll be a snob for a hot second. I don't love public hospitals, and I have private health insurance for that reason because. The care, the, the division between private and public is too vast and it mm. really pisses me off that you basically say, okay, well, if you can't um, afford private health insurance, then you can't get seen straight away. You have to wait eight, nine hours. Uh, the amount of children and pregnant women, I sat in emergency for probably that, eight, nine hours. Yeah, eight, eight nine hours with a torn artery, mind you. So I was about mm. to have a stroke on their floor. And um, they, yeah, the, like watching, it was like an episode of MASH, like, you know, people in the hallways and when I did go behind in emergency, there was like gurnings everywhere, not enough beds and so many people were, yeah, pregnant women and children. They need a facility to, to take the load off. Well, absolutely. Like I, the one certainty that I had about my pregnancy was they weren't going to let me go to full term. Um, right. And so I was hoping each week it was like I was wanting to get to 36 weeks. <laughs> no, no. I wanted to get to 36 weeks because Geelong Hospital would only admit me um, if I was over 36 weeks. And because we knew that my son was going to be born prematurely, they were telling me that I could expect up to three months in the special care nursery. And if I had been admitted to Melbourne, it would have meant that my husband effectively wouldn't have been able to support me. No, of course not, because he had to work in Geelong. Um, So that was terrifying. There's two Mm. other hospitals. Yeah, they're private, but you've got a person who's high risk. Oh, but fuck it. They can't afford to come here or whatever. They choose not to come here. So you're going to be sent to Melbourne. And, you know, I didn't have a choice for public or private because I had uh, been, I'd always had private health care, but when I divorced from my husband, we had been on a joint plan together. Um, And so you have to have health care for, private health care for a certain amount of time before falling pregnant, blah, blah, blah. So I I didn't even have an option. Yeah. Like there's loopholes that's ridiculous. Mm. So what was the end result? How many many weeks? weeks? The end result, my beautiful boy was born (laughs) at 36 weeks in one day. He was was a tiny but mighty 1.9 kilos when he was born. Shut up. Yeah, he was under the 36 weeks. Yeah, girl. So he was born 36 weeks, but he was about the size of a 30-week-old baby. Um, but we were so incredibly fortunate that he was tiny but perfect. 
So we we actually got to go home after nine days. Wow. All, of his, all of his organs were functioning effectively. He just had to Natural. put on some nice no, 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 I wasn't allowed no C-section. Yeah. So we had many conversations about that. Um, yeah. He he was a high risk, and they they effectively said like a lot of these really small babies um, have a really hard time in a natural uh, birth, and yeah. like it was a very high percentage of um, the likelihood of me having to go to a theatre anyway, even if I tried to deliver naturally. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that helped me make the decision to have a C-section was they said if if it is a planned C-section, it means we can, because we didn't know how his health was going to be, yeah. um, it could be booked for a time where all the specialists are available, we're expecting him, he's going to have the best care that he can have coming into the world. So for me that kind of made it a very easy decision that it, it gave me the one comfort I had was to know that no matter what happened when he was born, the right people were going to be in the room for him. So, when you felt yeah. Pregnant, though, did you, um, like I know for me I was like, yep, natural, but then for me I had two Caesars. I know, um, you know, I've spoken to lots of mums, you know, over the years who um, have struggled with the fact that they didn't get to give birth naturally for whatever reason, um, had to make the the call, you know, they've been like in labour for 47 days and yeah. still pushing and yeah. uh you know like horrendous stories and then in the end have to have an emergency seizure or they're stuck in the not canal or yeah and, and they live with that guilt was it when you first got pregnant I fell pregnant did you were you like yep yeah, I mean also being so athletic like we <laughs> Like, nah, I can fucking do this. Like, <laughs> this Listen, I thought I was going to be one of these, like, crunchy women that was just walking around barefoot and doing everything, you know, like <laughs> so natural and Mother Earth. And it was the most medically intercepted pregnancy that I yeah, could ever yeah. imagine. Yeah. And so I just very early on in that pregnancy, I let go of control of what I thought it was going to be and yeah, I just right. had to move to radical acceptance of, like, this is what it is yeah. <laughs> and, and, and let my yeah. ego kind of yeah. take a back seat. And I realized that this pregnancy wasn't even about me experiencing the pregnancy or the birth. It was doing everything that I could do as a mum just to bring my child earthside, you know? Yeah, amazing. Did you know you do it again? Yeah, go on. No, no. Done. Done. It was dramatic. It was, uh, yes, yes. Yes. The thing with IUGR too is that there's no real kind of um, they can't really tell me why it's happened. It, it may not happen in all the kind of like support groups and stuff that I've joined online. The likelihood is uh, quite high. Most women experience the same thing again. Yeah. Um, I just, I hated it. I hated every second of it. I, there was nothing pleasurable about it. And one of the only ways that I think I got through it was promising myself that if I just grounded myself and got through it, I would never have to put myself in that position again. So now I'm done. Done. I'm going to go to the intimate for a second. Yeah. How was sex infect affected? During or after? During. During. While while you're going through all of that, your body. Mm. Yeah. Like, could you? Couldn't you? Was could, it needed it? Needed it? Yeah. Needed, How horny did you get? It's fucked yeah. up. <laughs> needed it and needed the connection. To be honest, I'm yeah. a very physical person. Yeah. Um, sex is a very important. <laughs> sex is a very important part of my life. It's one of the best parts of my relationship. And during yeah. that time, I think you know, Steve and I had only been together for six months, so there was yeah. still kind of you know this this need. Yeah, and also the truth is, 
I was really struggling because he had had a baby uh, with his first wife as well mm. and it's so fucked up but I just felt like I was <sighs> comparing. Yeah, hard. I'm trying to think of the word. Like it was like, yeah, I felt like I was like a mistake that he had made and there was a part of me that was always questioning like, man, is he regret- regretting doing this with me? Is he the first one? Pregnancy was in- hormones. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think I was like I was using sex as like validation and, yeah, you know, the yeah. poor guy, we didn't know what was happening through the pregnancy. We actually didn't talk about the pregnancy a lot. I was a person that needed to know all the information so yeah. I was doing all the reading and he kind of didn't really I think his way of coping was like, it'll be right, it'll be right, it'll be right. So yeah. we kind of weren't connecting uh, through the experience of the pregnancy. It was a weird thing. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't know. That's. Do, do you know if his ex-wife had gone through an easy pregnancy? She, yes, the interesting thing was her pregnancy had been pretty textbook, pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she, they had had his, uh, his daughter Jada was also born um, quite small as well. Oh, so, so, yeah, basic, basically, <laughs> basically. Um, Nothing wrong with you. No, no, of course not. Yeah. So, yeah, no, intimacy wasn't really um, affected. It was probably, I think, the pressure I was putting on it, it was a bit fucked up really, to be honest. Like I was making that the thing that made me feel like our relationship was still okay even though everything else wasn't. (laughs) Like you said before, because you'd like just packed up your life from Sydney to Geelong, there was so much change going on, let alone carrying this little human inside you. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a big transition for anyone. It was. It was, a, it was a lot for a lot of reasons. Like I didn't even announce my pregnancy till about 17 weeks. Um, six weeks in one day. <laughs> <laughs> so like it was, I don't know, like I didn't have the typical like, oh, isn't this a beautiful thing? It was kind of like, I don't know, it was sometimes pregnancy is just a really challenging thing for women to be experiencing and it's not a really yeah, beautiful yeah. experience and it's happening at a really hard time in their life and yeah. it's, you know, it's not spoken about enough. I think, um, you know, there's there's this, like, stigma around you having to say, oh, my God, it was so perfect. amazing. No, there's nothing, well, no, I shouldn't say that. It's absolutely beautiful to ha- to be able to grow something inside of you, but it's fucking hard. Yeah. You feel like shit, you're sluggish, you know, there are things that are affected, whether it be exercise or sex or your hormones, your emotions that your partner doesn't understand. And then sleeping, like you get (laughs) talking to others about, um, you know, trying to find a sleep position. You get told, oh, you can't sleep on your back, can't sleep on your left, can't sleep on your right. Just stand up and sleep. Make sure you get lots of sleep before the baby comes. Fuck, what? What? (laughs) And then I think if you have any sort of challenge within your pregnancy, you are just so hard on yourself and you literally Mm. think crazy things like, oh, is it because I fell asleep on my back that time? Because I ate that food, you know? Because I craved soft cheeses. Yes, you know it's the the sushi I ate. You know, yeah, hundred percent. So funny. Uh, Exercise? Did you? How'd you go? um, Like medical. That's a question that everybody has for me, right? Because I've owned and operated gyms. It's fifteen years now, um, and it was. I was liberated by finally having my body be something that was used for something way more meaningful than exercise in the gym. And I just had this understanding that like, I don't know, this time I used exercise to kind of move my body and to feel good, but I had no, 
I didn't put any pressure on myself to to be in the gym, so to yeah. speak. And it was the first time, like in fifteen years, that I kind of had this like exhale, like oh, finally, I don't have yeah. to show up and be this gym chick anymore. I get to be like, you know, experience <laughs> yeah. myself in a new way. So. I think, you know, for, again, for every woman, it's going to be completely different. I think mm. exercise is a great way to check in with yourself and be in connection with your body and, you know, to measure your energy levels. And, you know, it, it makes sense to me that you need to be strong as you're pregnant and you need to be yeah. fit as you're pregnant. And it's only going to positive, positive contribute to the way you can carry your child and, and deliver and then, you know, look after a child post-birth. But I don't know. I I I didn't put any pressure on it at all. I did what I wanted to on any given day, and yeah. I, I had um, with Aaliyah. I did not move a muscle. I was so sick um, during the pregnancy. I didn't even walk. Like I literally did not exercise at all. And then with Miller, I um, I did not. I wouldn't say intensely. as intensely. If I were, if I had another pregnancy now, I know my body even like what I could push my body to do even more. Um, but I was at the gym three or four times a week, lightly exercising and walking and recovery wise with Miller, even with everything that I went through with Aaliyah, I couldn't, um, I couldn't squat. Like my knees gave way for, (laughs) for like 18 months. Like if I squat down on the floor, I could not get up either without going onto my knees and then, you know, bear crawling up or having someone help me. But with Miller, I bounced back really, really quickly. So I'm massively a huge advocate for continuing to exercise if your body allows you to, Um, even if it is walking, whatever it happens to be, get that body moving and I sound I sound like a bitch when I say it and I don't mean to be. I'm that woman that everybody like rolls their eyes at and goes like, oh, whatever. But I think it's important information to communicate openly. I had a C-section and I was exercising again six weeks after. I, I hired a stationary bike that I had in my house, a spin bike, and I would sit on yeah, it well. for seven minutes, no more than that. Like I just started with what I could do and yeah. and this is the part that you're going to roll your eyes and be like, whatever. But it's important to know what's possible. At seven months, I was seven months postpartum and ran the Melbourne Half Marathon again and ran, yeah. and ran a good time, right? And that's not to say that that's a statement about, you know, what you should, 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 what run you should be doing. No. But, <laughs> but yeah. athletes do that all the, well, not all, all the, the time, time, but they yeah. But I think – yeah, Katrina Gary. Yeah, Katrina Gary. Right, but it was important to me and my athleticism and my time in the gym and that part of my identity had been taken away from me during pregnancy. So yeah. it was really, it was an important thing and it was a really defining moment that I realised yeah. that that part of me was still there and I could still access it and I could like yeah. tap into my own resilience and all of yeah. that um, again. So I just like to share that like because I think sometimes, you know, women think that they have to let go of that part of themselves once they have a baby or become a mum and for me I, I I became fitter and stronger than I had ever been afterwards mostly yeah. because going to the gym was the was the time that I had away from the house and away from the baby yeah. so I was like let me yeah. out that's amazing it's actually like we're so we're planning to have baby number three in the next say 12 months yeah and I'll be carrying it and I'm like quite nervous but obviously have, I can lean on Colin and even yeah. like you any yeah. like advice that you would give someone because it's something that like plays in my mind so much not because like I'm at a point where I'm also very happy with my body and how strong I am but then me too Joel don't yeah. lose <laughs> <it>. <laughs> 
I say to her all the time, don't get fat. But not only like mentally yeah, how yeah. your body will change, yeah. but like you said, like when I'm in the gym and I feel fucking strong, like I'm having a good day. And how you know, I- for a lot for me and for a lot of women that I talk to. If you are a person that has been in the gym consistently for pretty much as long as you can remember, or even if it's been a recent thing, to relinquish control over your body, it's quite an overwhelming thing. You know, I was 30 when I fell pregnant and I remember thinking it's the first time in like 10 years that I don't have control over what my body looks like. And as a person that had struggled with my weight, that was a very overwhelming feeling um, to watch my body change in ways that, you know, I had no control over. I didn't feel beautiful necessarily when I was pregnant. Um, And so it is, it's a really overwhelming thing. And I think for a lot of women, the only way that we get through it is to know that like this too shall pass type thing and what you were doing, what you were doing, it's an absolute miracle. But at the time it just feels like shit. And I think to just just know that as, as a common lived experience and not a reflection of who you are, um, it mm. helps. It helps to know that, like, yeah, a lot of women have just, you know, really struggled with this from from a vanity point of view, which is a hard thing to yeah. admit sometimes, you know, because we feel like when we're pregnant, we should all of a sudden be this, like, you know, generous maternal archetype that just, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> a goddess. And that that happens over time, I think. Like, you give more of yourself through pregnancy and becoming a mum than you ever realise is possible. Um but that's something that you transition through and you grow through and it's not something that just happens because you're pregnant, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's actually um, interesting because uh, probably up until you and I started dating, like I've, I've always had body issues and I'd say somewhat fluctuating, um, but wait, but after Miller I was fitter than ever Yeah. Um, and, you know, grew strength. And That's also one of the reasons that, like I've always wanted to carry, but it's one of the reasons why we said you're done because you were happy, like you worked so hard. Hang on, I'm not done. Years. I'm not <laughs> done. So one of the things that I struggled with was like, which a lot of women get, whether you're my size or whether you're your size, is like the the flap from a C-section, um, you know, if they haven't um, done it tight enough or, you know, you can be literally a size six and still have that tummy mm-hmm. tuck or flap, you know, flapping skin or mm-hmm. stretch marks, any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It actually wasn't until uh, Karaya and I started dating that she she gave me that um, ability to realise that that is beautiful. Mm. And, you know, together we... It's incredible. You know, it's magical. Yeah, but you were the first person that actually made me embrace that to go... Who cares? Like she's never cared and never would care about a flappy tummy or a stretch mark or, you know, what, whatever it happens to be. And not that other people have, but I was ready to be like, you know what, fuck it. I, this is what my body went through and I can be fit and healthy and at my peak and then I just embraced it and loved it. Well, I love that you bring this up because I had this conversation with my husband midway through having sex with him. I don't know how many months postpartum I did. I don't know how many months postpartum I was, but I remember uh, just being really conscious and almost like cringing if I felt his hand brush where my scar was and it was just, yeah, I – it was. It felt like a, an imperfection that became an insecurity, and I was worried that he would touch it while we were being intimate and be turned off. Or I don't know. I was really insecure about it. And one time when we were in bed, I literally stopped him and I and I said to him like, "Can we 
just turn all the lights on, make it really bright now. Yeah, and wow. can I get you to just look at this and be with this so I can yeah. get over it? So I can yeah. know, can you touch it? Can you be with it? Can we just like yeah. integrate this into who I am and what my body looks like? And, you know, yeah. my beautiful husband was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah. you think this is what I'm thinking about when we're doing this? <laughs> you know? But for me, yeah. it was what I was thinking about yeah. and it was taking away from the pleasure and the connection I could experience with him. Yeah. And so I think... Yeah, it's a really important thing to let all women know that it is definitely something that you have to integrate as as part of you now and to learn to love it and and accept yeah. it and ask ask your partner if you feel comfortable to support you in doing that. Absolutely. What a good one. Should we talk about parenting? Yeah, let's do that. Tell us, tell us what you're doing now. So you've come home from the hospital, you've got this little baby. How's your world changed? Fuck man. Like (laughs) (laughs) breastfeed. I, um, I love these questions. I breastfed, but I could only breastfeed on my right side. So my left nipple, oh. yeah, I had I had everything that could have kind of fucked up early on. Right. Fucked up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my left nipple, uh, I had had a cyst on my left nipple when I was younger and I had had a procedure. And so I could get a little bit of milk out on the left side, but it kept the ducts kept getting blocked because enough milk couldn't get out. Um, so I was ice packing on the left side. Um, and it's quite a fascinating thing to know that I stopped milk production on my left side and was only breastfeeding on the right no side. No way. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did it hurt though? Did you, could you still feel the quadrants, I call them, on, <laughs> filling up and becoming painful? On the left side, do you mean? Yeah. Well, no, after probably, it probably took about a week. If you continue yeah. to put ice packs, like it kind yeah, of just, yeah, and you keep it and fine. you don't stimulate it and, you know, um, yeah, no. At least never lose track of which side <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> my poor right side copped it and so I stopped breastfeeding earlier than I had wanted to because if you can imagine every single feed being from the same side um yeah, yeah. painful um so I kind of went to a formula at about I don't know how many weeks it was seven or eight weeks and honestly I was just really happy to have caffeine back in my life again <laughs> That's also one thing I'm very nervous about. Yeah, I tried that decaf the other day. It tastes like shit. Oh, girl. Before you fall pregnant, I would start to try and cut your caffeine slightly because I dead set acted like a junkie the first four days because I went cold. cold (laughs) I did. Like, it was bad. Um, When I brought Tyson home, yeah, I was obviously because my pregnancy had been so messed up. I was just hyper vigilant, highly anxious. I did not leave the house with him for probably, I don't know, six, seven months. Like we went nowhere. If I had to go somewhere with him, I was trying to get back as quickly as possible. Everything felt like a threat to my tiny baby. The air, birds, people, everything just felt like, um, you know, it was a threat. Um, but slowly over time, I just learned to to trust him, and he's just been this like resilient little force. Knock on wood, has just like <laughs> thrived and gone from strength to strength. And um, it no medical issues, nothing, he's nothing. Yeah, wow. He's we've awesome. been so so lucky with him. Um, and he's just, I say to everyone, he's just like joy personified. My son, he's like yeah. that, the yeah. happiest, just social like too social it's awkward he goes up to people all the time and I'm like oh my god um you know we just introduce himself and he he's been my biggest masterclass in learning what it means to just be content to let people be who they are um 
and I, I, I actually really like who I've become as a mum. He's really taught me the art of being able to just like pause and breathe before I respond. Um, because I, I, I watch him take the world in and I watch the way that he responds to things. And I'm my, my biggest desire is to just let him experience the world in his way and not put my lens or not frame it for him or my perceptions of things and just let him experience things for the first time in his way and not try and kind of like, I don't know, maneuver him or make him see things the way that I see them or feel things in the way that I feel them. So it's been a a very conscious choice. I think I've made to kind of, we call him a free range baby. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like he just like, you know, does whatever kind of, we don't have a lot of um, structure. There's hardly any rules in our house in terms of like, he's allowed to climb over things. He prefers to eat food on the floor. So he'll take his plate to the floor and just does that. He doesn't use cutlery. None of that has, has, has bothered me at all isn't it interesting though because as you're as you're talking um you know full disclosure straight away your brain goes to judging but it's very interesting because we have this conversation all the time about some of the ways that we parent or the ways the way that we talk to the girls comes from our own upbringing so you don't necessarily uh a lot of us don't have that um or don't make that decision before the child comes out to go, you know what, this is how I'm going to be as a parent. I'm not going to do this because all of a sudden you've got this fucking child and you just bang, go into whatever your mum and dad did. Yeah. And and in our household, you know, Kariah uh, obviously came into our little world. We already had this thing going and now we try and... um, we try and be more like that, yeah. you know, let the girls um, make their own mistakes and make their own things. But we find ourselves all the time making, you know, judgmental calls that later we're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But we always pull ourselves up on it. We always apologise to the kids yeah, or we or always. make each other accountable. Yeah, or we talk them through it because we realise that, um, I guess, breaking that cycle from what our parents have ingrained in us is is very difficult to change but we're like you know what we've recognized it we can't fix it overnight but over time hopefully by the time that they're you know our age we've done an all right job to be able to go yeah go do it on your own but it's um it's such an interesting concept of going from what you think is right you might like to do to then implementing that so take my head off I think one of the benefits that I have had I'm quite isolated here so I'm from Sydney I don't have family here I don't have long-standing friends here I'm quite isolated which has meant there hasn't been eyes on my parenting yeah, right. I don't often have people here, so there's no sense of trying to make him behave in a certain way or even for my house to look a certain way. There's yeah. no kind of there's no consideration in terms of what judgment might be on us because we're very rarely in a position to be judged. And I think that yeah. has been a blessing. It's very hard to be isolated. I don't I don't have support here unless he's at daycare. He's with my husband mm. or I 24 7. Um yeah. But I actually think that has been a blessing because I've been able to just look at my child and feel into how I want my house to operate, what I want that to feel like, what I want our family to sound like. And we've just made decisions that best suit us. You know, my husband and I are quite relaxed, are quite relaxed people. And we both come from families where, you know, there were high expectations for behavior. 
Um, And we had to adhere to certain guidelines and, you know, even bless my parents, they're beautiful grandparents, but when they visit, it does my head in to just hear the amount of... (laughs) Oh, the instruction, the instruction, and the redirection, <laughs> and they're just jumping in, and like I'm just like, oh my god, too many words, just shut up, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, you know, like, Aaliyah, our six year old, actually picks me up on it because I'm like, can you go pick it up from the floor? And then when you're done that, get dressed, and then go to the table. I'm like, shut the fuck up, cry. And then she'll actually say, can you just tell me one thing at a time? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, you're bloody right. Yeah. You just have to read. It's. I, I actually one of the the best things that I love about Aaliyah is she will, if we cut her off, Mm. she will say, you're not letting me finish my sentence. Mm. So as a child, for me, I would say that I would be told to shut up and listen. But the freedom to be able to let a child make an adult accountable in a respectful manner, she's not being disrespectful, what I have to say is just as important as you, so shut the fuck up and let me finish my sentence. So we do, you know, and and apologise and say, no, you're right, I'm sorry, continue your sentence. And then sometimes we'll, you know, and she's like, you did it again! Like a fuck! Because parents, and I'm very guilty of it, like I'm just trying to get my point across, so I need to be right, I need to be back in control. But mm. it just doesn't work. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing. Like my my husband Steve has a daughter who she's seven years old now, and when I came in as a stepmom, she was she was three years old. And even as a stepmom, I was different than I am as a mum now because I, I suppose I wanted to demonstrate that I could look after her and that she respected me and that I could yeah. do things together. <laughs> and so I was, I, I very much too, you know, was more structured in the way that I was connecting with her and parenting with her and the things that I required from her. And I think we do that sometimes when we are not fully grounded in our in in our ability to just intuitively meet the needs of a child. And I mm. think because I was still getting to know her, um, I was just trying to take care of her in all the traditional ways. And yeah, so, very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I think mm. I think I just have more trust in my ability to respond to my son's needs, so I don't feel like I need to frame everything with certain structures that will keep everything yeah. controlled. I kind yeah. of trust that I can I can respond to his needs and pull him into line, and and I trust that he will listen to me, which he does. Yeah. There's a misconception that not having like you know a very regimented structure in the way you go about your day would mean that your child doesn't respond to you. But yeah. my well, my experience yeah. in every child is different. There's yeah. just there's just no tension. There's no kind of we're not trying to battle for authority, and he's not feeling like he has to push back against me to explore mm. his own limits. Um, but I think yeah, that that really just comes down to being able to tune into your own intuition and trust that you can mm. respond effectively, and that you don't yeah. need these preconsiderations of the way it should be in order to be a good parent. Absolutely. But it's just listening to the kids as well. Like, so we do have a quite, not strict routine, but the kids go to, the girls go to bed at 6.30. Like, we're the only people we know that go to bed that early. (laughs) But it's because by quarter past six, they are, like, rolling on the floor, licking walls. Like, they are done. Done. They don't resist it. They don't resist it ever. They're like, yep, I'm tired. Or they're like, I'm tired. Too tired to brush my teeth. Like, and that's just listening to their body because that happens 
that's our routine every night is we go to bed at 6.30 because if we push them, like, it's just going to end up in bloody World War Three. Remember when we changed that from 7 to 6.30 and I was like, you're actually a fucking asshole. Like, but they need it. You're giving them less time. And she was like, but look at them. Yeah, like, they're all climbing mentors. the walls. Just put them in there. Let them talk out their day. If it takes an extra half an hour, big deal, but at least they're resting yeah. and they're good to go. Rather than, like, hyping them up or getting them, like, so over-emotional that bedtime's 10 p.m. Yeah. And if <laughs> yeah. it is, then whatever. No judgment. But, yeah, no judgment, but so that's their routine. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think that's, it's spot on. Every household is going to be completely different. And I think our tolerance as parents is going to be <laughs> different mm-hmm. for different things. And I think we all just have to do what, works at the time that it works like who's to say that who's not going to change over time and you know if you spoke to me in two years time I'm like no we're military operations (laughs) you know I don't know it's it's working for now and and I will continue to just respond and adapt to what is going on within our home yeah and how they grow like as they mature like they get prep and it's like attitude and shit speaking of of home how do you manage work life Mm -hmm balance all of that stuff like mm-hmm. do you guys you've got a pretty free home but do you have a structure in terms of like you go to the gym Steve goes to the gym we're okay. we're in a pretty unique um position that we we own our own business and financially we are in a position um because I fucking caned myself in my 20s that mm-hmm. I can I can um prioritize being a mum so for me I've yeah. kind of made the decision that uh, being there for my son and the quality time with my son comes first. So he's he's in daycare three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at the moment. And I just kind of fit in everything that I can do work-wise uh, within the window of those three days. In terms yeah. of having time for myself um, on the other days that my son is home with me from a very early age, I spend time with him in the morning, right? I, I'm available to him when he gets out of bed um but then it's my time like I have a treadmill in my living room that actually has a baby pen around it um so that he can't kind of get onto it not that he would now but when he was younger you know it was like a safety barrier and I take I set him up with his little breakfast I set some toys up I throw YouTube on whatever I need to do and I have an hour to myself every morning and he knows this is mummy's time to exercise he knows and something fun happens after that always yeah not always but most of the time (laughs) not always um but I just I take the time unapologetically I take an hour in the morning that's for me and an hour in the afternoon that is for me and he's around me he's in my space I can still meet his needs but but it is my time and I do what I want with my time um and I'm pretty unapologetic about that I think it makes me a better human it makes me a better mum and I think I'm I'm confident that that role modeling is actually really important for him you know you don't get to a mum's age and then resent the fact that you had children and like get angry at them because your whole life has been dedicated to raising them that's it I want him to know my world does not revolve around him it doesn't I'm my own unique first right I do that's that's something I learned going from one to two yeah um that for the first time in my life I went you are the most important person here if you are not okay Mm. and you do not whether it's physically mentally emotionally your children are going to feed off that so whatever it takes to make sure that you are okay in a day do it 
and do it consistently. I think yeah, like yeah. for me, it's like I'm not, it's two hours every day that are for me. And when I say that to women, they just look at me like I'm speaking a foreign language. Like <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you mean? Um, yeah. But for most women, I think before they have children, they probably weren't dedicating time to their own kind of, you know, pursuit of whatever it was they were chasing for themselves either. And so they were probably yeah. pouring themselves into work or into relationship and they had yeah. never taken time for themselves. So it's Absolutely. not just, it's not just being a mum that stops you from being able to do that uh, a lot of women have a lot of excuses for why they don't have time with themselves for self so yeah totally. yeah you know like that, like should we do the most important question i was gonna oh, oh, we're going to hear some funny stories about oh, oh let me let me tell you tyson what he's doing lately this is a new thing he um is really into insects at the moment and so he will walk around the house and find dead flies, uh, spiders, whatever it is, and just <laughs> runs up to me with this cheeky look and just like throws it. Like literally like <laughs> launch it, literally. And I see him coming. I'm like, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's all right if I can find it. The worst is when I know he's chucked it at me and I'm like, oh, my God, is it in my head? Where is it? 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 Um, and I just say to my husband all the time, I'm like, is this a boy thing? Am I supposed to just let this happen? Like, what? what is he doing? So gross. eating it, to be honest. Yeah, rather than throw it than eat it. No, nah, eat it. Then you don't have to deal with it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Immune <laughs> system building. Honestly. Apart from that, I don't know. The, the other thing that I will say at the moment, like he's absolutely – just obsessed with babies like obsessed and so we'll we'll be at the park or we'll be at a shopping center or whatever and like i i'm, I'm happy to connect with people but i'm also Sorry, what world do you live in parks and shopping centers yeah where, where well, i know i know i know i know but i'm quite like uh, introverted most of the time um and he would just walk up to like random like prams or whatever and just have these conversations with these women and be like yes and then i'm forced to have these conversations with these women that like i would never usually like say hello to and it's just so awkward all the time Literally, like I don't care about your baby, but here I am having a whole conversation. Just wear pretty, like, pretty glasses and just Literally. be like, yeah, master. I'm the nanny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Does anyone know who this boy is? <laughs> Where's his mother? Okay. Can you um, tell Lisa the story you told me last week about Rip and Lee and the slide? Because I think that was fucking hilarious. I came no, we were talking about open parenting and like how to be like, don't cut it that way and don't do it that way and don't do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I, I was a primary school teacher for ten years as well. So oh, I think sure. this is yeah. So I get started with that. Oh yeah, yeah. I was completely. Do you know why I don't? Because who I was as a teacher is completely different to who I am as a mum. But what teaching gave me the opportunity to do was watch children play and to realize just like how frequent run-ins are, how frequent hurting themselves, you know, becomes, and that it's that it's no big deal. Um, yeah. And so I was telling the story that uh, I was at the playground and my style of parenting at the playground is obviously I'm going to monitor my son because he's three years old, but I will intercept if he asks for my help yep. or if someone's in physical danger. 
If, yep. if two kids want the same piece of equipment, if anything else is happening, I just allow the natural consequences of that exchange. I don't care if he's climbing up a slide and the kid's coming down, that is not for me to work out. They'll sort, they'll sort them out, right? Because I see in playgrounds they need the, the coping mechanisms and the language and the ability to be resilient enough to deal with natural yeah. consequences. Um, anyway, so I was watching uh, Tyson climbing like up a slide or whatever and there was a mum who was like hypervigilant and very stressed about everything that was happening at the playground. Um, and I think, I don't even know if her son was coming down the slide, but a child was coming down the slide and and she looked at me like with those like eyes, like, are you going to do something? And I just stood there. Um, yeah, exactly. And she said to me, like, she said, well, are you going to tell him not to climb up the slide? And I said to her, oh, you, you can go ahead and tell him. I'm not bothered. <laughs> feel free. I love it. Feel free. Like, feel free. You know, and she just looked at me and I was like, I'm not going to do it. Because for me, I don't take the role. I don't take the role of like fun police for my son. And it's more important that he knows that he's got the freedom to explore and I'm there just to support if he needs me. And I think. Take him to emergency. If well, that's him. right. You know, I've got the car right there. We're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm 110% guilty of being that parent. I'm like, don't go, don't do that. I was going to throw you that. under the bus, oh, actually. I'm yeah. so and I'm getting better. But do you um, think it's because you're genuinely worried about the welfare of children or you just worried about the judgment of the other parents around you that think you're not doing nah. a good job? I'm a very reactive parent. I don't know if that's because I came in and just stepped into yeah. it family but um, it's obviously how my parents were too like they were very like not, I had a great upbringing but that's just I catch myself all the time and as soon as I realize that I just shut up because I just am saying too much I'm like don't go up the side or don't do that I'll move out the way or do you because think that, because like, it's the wrong thing to do in inverted commas do you it's think not well I, I know for my stepdaughter when I was first like taking care of her I felt so responsible for her like I didn't want anything to happen and so I know yeah. I was definitely like I was, you know, more vigilant about like her welfare than my own son. And so maybe it's just become a habit for you because I think initially like when we're taking care of children that, you know, it's new for us to be taking care of these children, we're like protect them more. And I think, yeah, yeah. you just need to like check yourself like is this just, yeah, do I need to be? I reckon, it, I reckon it's, a, it's a right from wrong thing because I do yeah, it too. Like, ah. You don't climb on the couch. No. You don't throw the pillows off the couch. Why not? It's not going to hurt anyone. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. You'd have a heart attack in my house. That's why I'm laughing, you know. Like. <laughs> no, no, because we want to be honestly. Sure. Like, it's exhausting the other way. Like yeah. having to constantly be like, don't do, like you can't. like that. And I think truthfully, like I'm only like that, not from some like higher place, but because it is me all the time. And if I really tried yeah. to keep on yeah. top of it, I just can't. And so I'm like, I just pick my battles, you know. But mm. do you, so um, I guess what we always try and teach the kids, we were actually talking about it the other day and probably – one of the only houses that we know do this, but like we, at like Miller's three and Elia's six, and they unpack the dishwasher, they help make their beds, they will vacuum, mop, like fold the washing, put their washing away, all of that stuff, not in a military way, but in a we are a family, we are a team, we, all we all do it all together. Yes. Away. We actually did have a good conversation because we said, we thought about doing that thing as like a reward and then you can get your pocket money or whatever, and we thought, these are general household things that you're going to grow up learning how to do and you don't get a fucking reward for it when you're a mum. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like a daughter. Yeah. 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 It's going to be a thing. Like, you're, Yeah, do you do that with your Tyson? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Absolutely. So, like, he will help put dishes away and he packs all his toys away and he will put yeah, the things. Yeah. He, he's well aware of the mess he makes and that it is mm-hmm. mess and he knows he's allowed to make mess so long yeah. as when it is time. It's his, mess, it's his mess to clean up. All right, we've learned something today. Yeah, we? we have. Feel great. Chill the fuck out. I'm going to be like a great parent moving forward. Yeah. I don't know that it's necessarily about being a great – sometimes it sounds more like being a lazy parent, I think, and I think no, there's a big no. – <laughs> I think like, there is. Children need to explore. They need to make mistakes. Yeah, they no need to – bubble wrapping them. Like if you're going to climb up that fucking side and crack your head open or hurt, you get a graze in your chin, I warned you she once and so I'm not going to say again. It happens to you, yeah. <laughs> And the the other thing that I will say is that, like, if you allow them the space to work shit out, they get they take more responsibility for themselves. Like, I watch the way he plays, and he knows his boundaries, and he he has great spatial awareness, and he knows what he can jump from because he's done it a million times. You know, they only they only make the mistake once. And like I said, we're there. I'm not necessarily letting him, you know, jump off the brick fence or whatever, but. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think we only like have it. we only have a certain amount of bandwidth as people too, and I think yeah. you have to like honor yourself and the the way you're experiencing the day as well. Yeah, me too. Appreciate it. All right, <laughs> last, last question. Last question. Very serious question. We actually denied about asking this question, but do you put your tomato sauce or barbecue sauce in the fridge or the pan? <laughs> I wish I wish I could take you and show you my fridge right now. You'd be like, what? Uh, <laughs> definitely in the fridge is where yes. we keep it. <laughs> and we are barbecue sauce people in this house. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we'll come to the park with you um, next time and protect you from the from those, judgy parents, mums. Those, those people. You know, I those came home and said to my husband, listen, those mums at that particular park, uh, <laughs> I won't repeat the word, but I was like, yeah, I was like, this is why I don't go anywhere because I just can't handle people, you know. Just sit at home and eat barbecue Honestly. Honestly. <laughs> honestly. Just ask him that question and then you'll see if you want to be friends with him or not. Yeah. Hey, um, you know how you asked my son to get off the side? Do you put your sauce in the fridge or the pantry? I love it. In the pantry. All right. Come on, Tyson, we're going. I'm <laughs> laughing now, Karaya, thinking you must have been at Mopa thinking, like, can she get control of her child, please? Is she going to do something? Oh, God, never. <laughs> never. I was probably, like, in the castle with him. I'm like. Oh, Just did jump from the top? Yeah. Into the. Yeah. You know what? The one thing I will say is I remembered you from Mopa because Tyson, my son, is, like, always, like, he's. 110% energy in everything he does. He's the kid that gets the party started. Like he's yeah, like there. And I just love you, like matched his energy. That's where I remembered you because I'm like, this chick is awesome. I love it. Cool you know? Yeah. It's just funny. Like if we have friends over and the adults are inside, I am outside with the children. Yeah. Like, I'm not sitting having a conversation. I'm not interested. I just would like to be. That's what I got with you. Like <laughs> a, it's, it's like a permanent full-time party. <laughs> Post, yeah, all the time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, well, I'm glad I get to see you every week anyway. The gym, and I'll so be back soon. When right in my day. I, I should be back soon, a oh, couple of weeks. Just take it easy because I've been there so much. I think you've been there once. Do you know, I w- last time I went there, I actually had my torn artery. Oh, I know, not and I was like, Oh, Colin, I've got it like a bit of a sore neck, and we were like stretching it out and doing <laughs> all these things. And little did I know that was like 
almost having a stroke. Well, I hope you I hope you signed <laughs> a waiver on your way in as I'm hearing this story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was yeah, a cough. Everyone's fine now. Yeah. Thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your experiences and stories. Yeah, love it. Thank and you. I think we'll definitely have a, a part two because I feel I feel great after this conversation. <laughs> love <laughs> it. Anytime, anytime. Thanks so much. Thank See you, you soon. See ya. Bye. You go, babe. No, you go. No, you say it. No, you go. Come on. Okay, fine, I'll go. What am I saying? About reviewing and questions. Oh, yeah. If you guys have any questions, comments, feedback, please feel free to send us a DM. We are an absolute open book, so happy to answer uh, any of those. And if you like what you hear, please click subscribe, follow, and write us a review. if you five don't like what you hear, though. yeah, five stars are good. But if you don't like what you hear, write a review too because, you know. We always take feedback on board, right? Absolutely. Thank you once again for all your love and support and we're really loving what we're doing. So thank you again. Have a good day.